Hello everyone, this is Rob Liefeld. You are listening to another episode of Rob'servations. What is Rob'servations? Rob'servations is 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 really just me kind of sharing my life, my career, my experience in the comic book industry which has grown all these giant tentacles into so many other industries, the video game industry, the the television industry, the movie industry, the obviously the merchandising, the toy, the, you know, um, lunch boxes, school supplies, comic books are everywhere. They, they, they started knocking on that door when I was a kid because I would be able to go as I, as you know, the school year is about to start up for so many of you, I would go to the local drugstores in our town. There was one called Rexall Drugs, R-E-X-A-L-L, and we, they had the best school supplies. It would probably now be some toss up between Target and Walmart, but, and they had licensed Marvel comics. Some of the comics I've talked about here, um, issues of Fantastic Four, uh, the, the, the infamous, uh, uh, Avengers 141, the, the, the cover with the, the, the Squadron Supreme facing off against the Avengers and, um, just pencils, erasers, folders, notebooks, all with comic book memorabilia. That was just the start of what we would get to now, which is just an avalanche of comic book related material as I say this as I'm looking across my desk at a at a Deadpool talking head that talks with a voice. I'm sure you've seen it. It's been in stores about 10 months now and it um, it's $100. If you want this and I've signed a lot of them, I know how many of them are out there. I, I'm, I've only signed a fraction of them obviously but but again, the merchandising, you now get a $100 talking Deadpool head that that you know makes snarky comments towards you. That, that is where we have, the envelope is continually pushed. And, and, and don't even get me started on the multi-thousand dollar statues, whether it's Thanos, Thor, Captain America, you know, Venom, Deadpool, Cable, you know, it's just blown up. So observations that, that, that's, that's what we do here. That's what we've been doing here. That's what we, I think, I think, I think we do pretty good <laughs> with, with covering a lot of this stuff. I started the show because so many people... Uh, just did not have uh, as much knowledge at their fingertips. And trust me, I've gone back in time today. I will read to you from an issue of the Comics Journal that was printed in 1997, March 1997, the Comics Journal. It was a uh, big comic book um, journalistic magazine. It was supposed to be like the hard journalism. It, it, it would be more of the you know 60 minutes of the news um, rather than the fluffy morning show news, what, what, which would be something like a wizard or a hero magazine. This, this was the hard stuff. Comics Journal was, uh, they did the hard-hitting interviews that were supposed to really, you know, get you to go more in depth. I tried to actually find these articles online, and I even tried to find a copy I could, you know, buy that I could just ship overnight. But instead, I made my sojourn into the darkness of my own uh, storage unit. And uh, I should, I should put plural storage units to get out this particular comic journal. And there's a reason I have so many of these, and I'll get to that today. I'll be reading to you from the comics journal. And again, I'm telling you how hard this was to obtain because you just can't go out and get one. A buddy of mine in the business said he really wants one, but it's 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 going to be hard for him to get. They're, they aren't as accessible as you think, and so much of the information that I took for granted, that I consumed, that I um, that educated me. Uh, is is not around anymore. You'll bump into this stuff occasionally. I can't, uh, you know, recommend more the original 1980 printing of The Art of John Byrne. It's got one of the most epic interviews with him. 
um, some of the previous comic journals with Frank Miller, with Alan Moore, with with John Byrne. This Fanagraphics two edition. Uh, uh, these two books called the X-Men Companions that came out in like 1982-83 are phenomenal. It, it was the ultimate X-Men download. Terry Austin, Chris Claremont, John Byrne, everybody. I share this with you guys so that you'll have the same information at your fingertips. Again, I read from these pages. I try and carry the day as much as possible. We are on a comic book feuds series and we've been having a lot of fun with these feuds. Often the feuds... Um, uh, uh, create alternate paths. Today, the feud we're going to cover was inevitable because so many of you have said, Rob, how are you doing these comic book feuds, but you're not covering your own big comic book feud? I was going to hold off and do this for the Image 30th anniversary. There's plenty of stories to tell you around then, even a couple today that I was shocked that I'm like, oh my gosh, I completely forgot about this maybe most riveting story of my time uh, with both Extreme Studios and Image Comics, but th those kind of I, I, those kind of stories are going to come soon enough. Today we are going to talk about Rob Liefeld versus Image Comics, Image Comics versus Rob Liefeld, and kind of, kind of, it can be diluted down to just Rob Liefeld versus Todd McFarlane. Certainly, that's what you're going to get out of this Comics Journal interview, which says Liefeld versus McFarlane behind the scenes of the Image breakups. Okay. The exclusive interviews, and they they did some really crazy interviews here, and uh, and 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 so the 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 it's interesting because I want to start at the beginning when Image was formed. I already think this is going to be two episodes. If this isn't two episodes, I I I I must have really been able to condense all this for you guys. But I really want to start when it's formed because everyone has a different ver version of how this was formed. So much so that Jim Valentino was preparing to share with you. Uh, a book about a timeline and he has shared things with me in that timeline that he's intending to publish maybe early earliest in in the, the minute you know the clock strikes on uh, 2022 when it will be the 30th anniversary year of image comics and he's been sharing this timeline with me and I keep sending him back things in the timeline and we're not having like it's not a blood duel it's not anything even rising to, to like there's been no uh, escalation, no, 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 all caps emails have been sent. Um, it's just like, Hey, I, I really think you should I, I include this. And well, well, you know, I, I don't really want to make it all about this is, is maybe the response I get. But for me, you know, uh, I, I want, I want the entire, all the facts on the table when something is addressed. And that's what we're going to do with this feud. We're going to, uh, um, and you're going to get, you're going to be extremely entertained. These, these are Interview stories, quotes that you have never, I, I imagine, heard before. or and, and, and one of the reasons you didn't hear about it was even in this comics journal interview, as respected as it is, as, as, as much as creators wanted to talk to the comics journal because they knew they could just talk for 20 pages and they'd print all 20 pages of it in depth. Uh, one of the interviews to me said, you can say whatever you want, Rob. We only have like 2,000 people reading it. So it's, it's the reason you aren't seeing copies of this is because... They're hard to obtain. And the glossier version of what went down between Rob Liefeld, me, and Image Comics, and Todd McFarlane was given to you in the um, happier rainbow, unicorny, you know, um, biased pages of Wizard and Hero Magazine. Because if you were consuming this stuff and you did come across this and you did read this comics journal interview, you would be, I think, much more surprised and educated. I'm, I'm shocked 
at, at not only the things that Todd said, but some of the things that I said in, in the depths that we were willing to go to, to, to discuss what happened. But, but as Jim Valentino was coming to me and putting together this timeline, because again, I'm, I, haven't, I haven't abandoned this, this timeline that Jim is putting together for the 30th anniversary, I, I trying to get the actual comics journal, maybe get a transcript online of this issue I'm going to read to you, I came across another comics journal interview with Todd that is accessible where he gives his version of how Image Comics starts. His version never, ever lines up with what happened based on what Valentino, Eric Larson, and myself will tell you. And, and part of that is what Jim is covering, is that Image was a thing way before Todd, but, if you, but Todd needs to always kind of be in the forefront saying that he was there and it was something he was talking about. And then one day he was shocked that he opened up and, and Rob was doing Youngblood and had done it all on his own, which I hadn't. That was something I discussed with Eric Larson and Jim Valentino. But Todd, we didn't, basically what he's saying is they didn't wait around for me because if we, if we had waited around for Todd to start Image, it, it would not have launched when it did. It may have never launched. I've covered on different uh, podcasts and, and, and let's get this out of the way. I have nothing but tremendous admiration and respect for all that Todd McFarlane has accomplished. There's an entire podcast I've done that about Todd and his groundbreaking, uh, evolutionary, uh, 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 boundary-pushing work in toys. I think Todd belongs in whatever version of the Toy Hall of Fame there is. He changed the toy business more, more radically, more drastically, then he changed the comic book business. The comic book business was being changed before us with Frank Miller, with Neil Adams, with Jack Kirby. Creators' rights were, were not something that Image Comics introduced. We were just the most popular guys in the history of this movement to do it and at the peak of our appeal, of our popularity. And that's why the results, which we didn't count on, you, I've done an entire episode on Youngblood in that I had bet on me that I could sell 100,000 units. I could sell only 10% of what I was selling at Marvel and be okay. So it was, I was taking the, the I'm not going to do great, but I'm going to do okay path. None of us knew that we would do so great. But, but Todd, um, a, a, as much as I respect him and all that he's accomplished, he was trying to get a toy, a, a card company going. He wanted to do a trading card company. I've covered this in depth in other Todd-themed episodes. He wanted to do front row cards. And again, why front row? In his own words. Oh, Bud, where would you rather sit? In the upper deck or the front row? And he had a way of delivering on the front row. I have the uncut sheet. He bought photographs, as you do, if you're a trading card company of hockey players. And then he did Todd McFarlane illustrations of Wayne Gretzky and all of the different... Um, um, you know, uh, hockey stars of the time. And and he went into the NHL. He got as far as the NHL with his presentation and they didn't give him the license. And I remember how disappointed Todd was at that time. That's where he wanted to go. He wanted to leave comics behind. Spider-Man was a tremendous success for him and go and live this trading card existence. I speak of this in great depth in this comic journal interview, which I was not aware that I did. But I've talked about it in previous podcasts. I, my, that uncut sheet is like a collector's gem to me. Todd signed it. it. He gave it to me when I was at his house because he was so proud. He had been telling me on the phone what he was planning. And so uh, it was something that he had been long anticipating, getting this trading card. The front row! Why would you sit in the upper deck when you could sit in the front row? Okay? 
That, that was the whole appeal. So that didn't happen. And then still, he wanted to dance with DC and talk about doing Batman because maybe the road to uh, increased sales, maybe better than I had done with X-Force and maybe better than, than Jim had done with X-Men because those are the new bars to clear. Maybe that was a Batman title with DC Comics. Long story straight, when Todd tells the Comics Journal that he had been working on everybody to get this going off the ground, that isn't a sincere representation of what was going on. And Jim Valentino and Eric Larson and myself have been in lockstep for 30 years. That That is not how it went. Todd was forthcoming in, followed then by... Mark Silvestri followed then by Jim Lee, who was the very last to jump on board. He was the most hesitant. We'll cover that in greater depths uh, when we when I will do a you know the secret origin of of Image Comics, and maybe I'll release it when Valentino releases his his, uh, his book about you know the timeline. But right now, Jim and I are I'm sending him facts about the timeline, and I'm not sure if they're going to make it there. But we're going to talk about those today anyway. And and here's where we're going to start. Well, so Image Comics and I have our infamous falling out, but it wasn't supposed to be a, an ugly falling out. It was just supposed to be me leaving. And I had been trying to leave, maybe not quietly, but not dramatically. And 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 I guess we have to go back to, uh, we have to go all the way back to Heroes Reborn, which... As I was in my storage unit and I immediately came across these comic journals, I was also then pivoted towards a folder that had all more of my Marvel contracts and my and Marvel Marvel um um you know uh, uh, information uh, dialogue back and forth memos than I had ever even anticipated I had, and and uh, that was negotiated through almost the entirety of 1995. And, and was only truly uh, sealed in a, a memo in November of, of 95, which then led to the press conference and the announcement. And then the deal would continue to be semi-ratified all the way through August of 1996. And those books were hitting in September. This was, again, a very rich deal. Jim Lee and I had gone down this path. And in these contracts, you will see, we were both paid $3 million. And we, like, for Captain America, number one, to turn in Captain America number one, on top of my $300,000 signing bonus, which Jim got as well, uh, we were both handed that before we went out to the press conference. Uh, we got, like, $350,000 for turning in the first issues. The money was big, but it wasn't the reason to do it. The re I couldn't believe they were paying us as much as they were, Okay. And and that's just because we had good negotiator, good negotiators, and we had um, we stuck to our guns. We had a value that we believe we brought to this product. And again, Captain America went from twenty thousand sales to three hundred and fifty thousand sales. So they made their money back within the first few issues across the board on all of these books, because Avengers also sold three hundred and fifty thousand, three hundred actually seventy thousand copies. And they're getting a buck a book back. And so again, it was a good deal. And it definitely set those books on a different path. They were utter disappointments and failures, which is why we were contacted. A year of Mark Wade and Ron Garney, no matter how much you love that book, was not breaking the 24,000 sales barrier. It could not move the needle, a term that was first spoken to me by Jeffrey Loeb, Joseph Loeb III in 1996. 
And so that entire deal was running its course in 95. And the image guys knew it. As a matter of fact, some of them tried to get in on it. And I've covered also that Jim and I just kept it to Jim and I. We felt like it was enough for the two of us to just keep it together. Now, in this Comics Journal interview, the the uh, the reporter who uh, is is named uh, uh, Greg Stump. Greg Stump asks Todd during this. He says uh, he says, you know, ask Todd about the Heroes Reborn stuff. Was there anyone who felt differently about kicking Rob out of Image? Um, you know. Wasn't Jim Lee a partner with him in the Heroes Reborn gig? Todd's answer on page 44 of uh, Comics Journal. Sorry, did I say 151? This is issue 195. Comics Journal issue 195, 1997, page 44. Todd says, Rob and Jim have kept that thing very close to their backs. His words. Rob and Jim have kept that thing very close to their backs. You know what I mean? even away from me, and I haven't pried into it, you know? So they were, uh, they were doing whatever they did, and, and I didn't know. I didn't know if the answer is Rob put Jim in, or if Jim put Rob in. I, I don't know. I would be speaking out of ignorance to comment on this. Okay, that doesn't stop him from speaking out of ignorance for the most, most of this, this interview in 1997, but... There is one comment by Todd. He, he is asked specifically about Heroes Reborn. And his comment about Heroes Reborn is that we were playing it close to the vest. From my understanding, Todd turned it down. He was offered to partake in it at the same time we were. And he turned it down. And, uh, and, and, uh, and he didn't want to do any more Spider-Man. He didn't want to do any of that stuff. So he knew that we were being approached but he never knew exactly, or he's claiming to not know all of the business details. But the, the reason I'm, I'm focusing on Heroes Reborn, we're trying to set the table. What I'm doing right now for you, about 18 minutes into this, is I'm setting the table for the world of 1995, 1996, when this whole ugly breakup occurs, which again, never had to be ugly, but you'll, you'll, you'll find out why. So here's the deal. Um, here is a quote from Todd, okay? This quote from Todd, I am reading to you from a book called The World versus Todd McFarlane. This quote is from State Press Magazine in 1999, no less. This is years after Heroes Reborn. Todd is still chewing on this, okay? This, this because everything in this book, The, the World versus Todd McFarlane, written by Daniel Best, okay? Uh, this book... Uh, it, it is so ridiculously well researched, footnoted, um, just uh, sourced. It's it's incredible. But here is Todd's comment on Heroes Reborn from March 1999, uh, taken from State Press Magazine. I don't care. Okay, it says. Uh, I'll preface it in the book. It says in 1996, Jim Lee and Rob Liefeld returned to Marvel to write and draw the company's Heroes Reborn storylines, featuring a relaunch of Fantastic Four, Avengers, Captain America, and Iron Man. This caused problems with the image partners, with McFarlane becoming the most vocal. Okay? So there it is. This is... I didn't write this book. This is the world 
versus Todd McFarlane by Daniel Best. You can get this on Amazon. This is Todd. I don't care how these guys want to spin doctor it. It's always amusing to me. First, Rob and Jim went and did the Marvel Heroes Reborn thing, and they were all, well, we grew up with these characters. We love them so, and what a bunch of crap. This is Todd's words. The reason they went and made a deal with Marvel Comics was that they got a ton of cash. End of conversation. Finito. Finito. It it says F-I-N-I-T-O. Finito. Period. Rob Liefeld did what he did. God bless him. And Jim Lee did what he did. God bless him. But they're the competition to me now. Okay? So, this is how Todd saw us. They are the competition to me now. He reiterates this in this uh, th- this comics journal interview. He says the same thing. They're 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 my competition. You know, they're my competition because if you're not with me, you're against me. Is kind of the whole way that Todd spins Heroes Reborn. Todd was not happy about this. My belief over why. Why would you say Todd cared? Because, and he says it in here, he, he talks in this interview, I'll read to you, that he, he believes Spawn is doing it right. It's, 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 he's number one. And you guys, this is only a few months from the Spawn movie coming out that he gives this interview. And, and I watched Todd during that time. And I mentioned in my portion of this interview from Comics Journal that I'll read from you to you. Uh, from the comics journal. I, I mentioned that he was, in his mind, at that time, I had never seen one person transform so much um, ego and and success and, and ambition in a way that I had never seen with anybody, period, in this business, ever. And uh, what you don't know, or maybe I, maybe I mentioned it before, I'm going to mention it now, in the summer, it's San Diego of 1997. I've told you before I would go to places disguised, but I didn't go to this place disguised. Disguised Before um, really Hall H, there were the bigger upstairs halls that were Marvel and DC would have their comic book panels. And uh, one of the last image panels that we did together as the image, you know, group, as the founders in 1996... Uh, was in this same room that Todd would take everybody on by himself in 1997. And he was there to promote the Spawn movie. And uh, Todd, uh, the Spawn movie was going to come out a few weeks after the San Diego Comic-Con. So he was in full promotional mode. And at that time, Todd came down as he often did. And if you were there, if you were there in 1997, I was about three quarters of the way back sitting amongst the, 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 the room was about 75% capacity. It was very full, not standing room only, not, not completely packed. Todd's mic was able to take him about halfway down the aisle. He would roam around like a talk show host. And, uh, and he, and he was talking about the fact that the Spawn movie is going to come out and it's going to be number one. And there's going to be a new king of all media. A new king of all media. Old, old Howard Stern ain't going to be the king of all media. All toddy. Number one cartoon on HBO. Number one toy. The Spawn Toys. Number one comic. And I'm going to have the number one movie in the world. And I'm going to be the new king of all media. Those words left his mouth. And I was like, holy shit. Wow. Um, 
he said he, he went on to say he goes they're moving out of the way i'm spawning i got air force one harrison ford in front of me and then and then julia roberts and mel gibson behind me in uh i think they had a movie called the conspiracy theory he goes, old spawnies right there in the middle. They avoided the spawn. Harrison Ford on one end and Julia and Mel. And then they're spawny. So Spawn did not debut in the number one movie. Air, Air Force One had such a strong opening that its second weekend it was number one. And Todd, Spawn opened at number two. It had its biggest numbers on Friday night based on the uh, traffic and the, and, the, and the desire to see it. And then it tapered out over the weekend and he came in number two. So that entire... King of All Media was uh, was not available to him. And uh, I truly believe that shattered. He had built everything around that. I tell you this now because if he was comfortable enough and if you were in that crowd, you heard him say the exact same thing that I did. He said that to the crowd exactly as I said it. That was the plan. That was the goal. And, and, and when it fell short, you're not the king of all media when your movie is number two. It could be successful. Um... A year later, after that, 1998, Blade would open uh, bigger and 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 stronger, and uh, you know, so 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 again, and 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 Blade would open at the top. So you know, it, it, it's not that you couldn't shoot for it, but it just didn't come together. And that and if that if that's the glue holding everything together, and and it doesn't seal, then then you've got to rethink your drink. You know, you got to you just kind of kind of take a different. Um, a different position, and I am telling you that is the first time I saw the uh, kind of the 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 de-escalation of the giant furious ambition. I went to the Spawn premiere at the Man Chinese Theater. My one of my great friends, Brian Witten, had been the executive at New Line Cinema on Spawn, and I would visit him often because he had bought Evangeline and he had bought Bad Rock um, from me. And uh, right now, if you go on Netflix, they, they have season two of the movies that made us. If you watch the Jurassic Park uh, section, there's a guy named Spaz. I think his name's Spaz Williams, but you'll, you'll just remember because he nicknames and calls himself Spaz. Spaz and another guy from ILM teamed with Todd to make Spawn. They said, we've never directed anything before, but we've got the special effects chops and we'll help you bring this to life and we'll make this just awesome. And that was kind of the momentum that this was all going on, but I remember Brian Witten, I'd be in his office and he would be telling me about the day-to-day troubles on the Spawn set and, and how difficult it was working with these first-time filmmakers. And ultimately, I think, you know, it, it it was not the success that I think everyone had hoped for. Of course, when you make a movie, you hope that it's the, the best version of that thing. And this wasn't. But I think the whole King of All Media thing, I'm jumping to the end of this kind of conclusion in 1997 when Todd gives this interview and the way he talks his head is on fire you are going to see it he is raging and I believe especially the way he talks about Hollywood and and, and he talks about how he has a different seat there now um as you know it's been uh many I, I guess I guess it'll it'll be you know is it is it 23 24 how many years since the the spawn film um so so uh is it 35 I mean, uh, 25 years soon. I, I don't know. Um, but they, uh, but but Todd was ready. He believed that he was just doing everything to the very best of his ability, and he believed everyone else couldn't. He says here, it's how he speaks. He speaks out right here in the opening of this. His his comics journal interview, which covers 
kind of this breakup, which is, you can tell, this is going to take some time. He says, the, the name of his, <laughs> his article is, I don't think he gets it. It's a Todd McFarlane face atop the image eye. Um, and it and his article is called, I don't think he gets it. Rob, Todd McFarlane speaks out on Rob Liefeld. I mean, this is the whole article. And it says, uh, it says, you know what? Here, it, he says right here, if you ask me to go back and do the history of image comics, I can't do the Todd impersonation all the time. So I'm going to, this is Todd. If you ask me to go back, this is how it starts. He just starts with a statement that, that he says to the guy. And then the guy starts answering questions. If you ask me to go back and do the history of image comic books, we got off on the wrong foot. And maybe it was too much for us to chew. There were a lot of stumbling blocks. and It was more of a case of how each of us decided how to recover. And it was really during the recovery period where each of us said, okay, the answer is for us to do this and this. For the most part, it was the six of us decided to go on our own paths. That has always been the curse of Image Comics. He calls it a curse that we were doing our own paths. As things started to go down the road, a couple of us got veered off the road a little. I believe he's speaking of me. And uh, instead of trying to come back on the road, they just kept veering further and further away, Todd says. You know, in terms of each of us, we'd gone off the road and gone off the track and even crashed. But Rob seemed to be doing so intentionally, almost fighting us. And we're saying, no, there's a road over here. Turn the wheel. All of a sudden, you start getting into, you know, uh, maybe my book isn't the best. That's implying that's me saying that, which Todd has the best in, in this. My book isn't the best, so I got to get go do this to get the book back on track. Oh, that's not working. Well, I better do this. This is literally, I'm word for word reading from Todd. And really, the answer was, you need to take a page out of the other guy's track records. He is speaking of himself. Rob needs to take a page out of my, Todd's, track records. I mean, you can kind of read between the tea leaves here. And need to listen to a bit of the advice from the other guys. He was doing more of a man thing. And, and, and it, instead of admitting he had failed. You know what I mean? He goes on to talk that I'm a bad poker player. And um, Did I mention that he'll be on the hook for $20 million in lawsuits in 2007? Right. Yeah. So, I mean, you got to keep all this in context. This is insane. Let me, uh, let me, for the, uh, a very essential part of what we're going to discuss here today is, uh, is, is the extreme studios, uh, line of books. And, and, and the reason this is so it, it, important for you to understand, and I've broken this down before and, um, you got to understand uh, the extreme studios line of books each image owner paid in a, a flat fee to the image front office. Let's say the image office got up to 10 full-time uh, employees, okay? Let's say that Image Comics got in, got they, they, had a, they had a distribution person, they had a publisher, they had a sales manager, okay? And, uh, and, and, and so we kept adding staff. Well, who paid for that staff? Well, it was the dues from the books that paid for the, the 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 office to run, and Larry Martyr, who had been the publisher, who was uh, in charge of these things, would always tell me we need a minimum of sixty five thousand um, dollars, you know, each month to 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 pay the overhead of Image Comics, to pay my salary, to pay this guy's salary. So that would come from each of us. Let's say the buy in, let's say the payout was three thousand titles a month. Okay. I mean, 3000 per title, 3000 per title. And you have 20 titles like me. Well, I'm covering that bill alone. 
I am covering that bill. If Todd McFarlane is putting out just Spawn, and maybe Spawn's your favorite book, and maybe it's your favorite book because that's all he focuses on, Todd is only paying in $3,000 a month. $2,000. Maybe it's $2,000 a month. Where Extreme Studios is paying between forty and sixty thousand, it was either two or it was three. And if someone wants to correct me and go, Rob, it was twenty five hundred. It split the baby. Whatever. Let me tell you that um, in my hands I have the sales charts from Diamond Comics, October nineteen ninety four. I've done this before. I'll print this in the notes so you can see it. Uh, in October of nineteen ninety four, they ranked the title families. Here's what they wrote. This month, we've added a different image studio for comparison. The largest of the image studios, Rob Liefeld's Extreme, with a total of 13 books, takes a whopping, it's 5.78 of market share. Whopping 5.78 market share, okay? Extreme is followed closely by Wildstorm Studios with a 3.5 market share. TMP, Tom McFarlane, is next with a 2.7 market share, okay? So it says ranking the title families. This time they broke up image. I've got mine highlighted. I am the number two family of comic books, not an image in all of comic books in October of 1994. We would eventually get to 20 comic books that we were having go out the door. And if you doubt it, go Youngblood, Youngblood Strike File. Team Youngblood, Brigade, Bloodstrike, Prophet, Glory, um, Supreme, Bad Rock and Company, uh, you know, the New Men. And, and then you add my Maximum Press, which is going to come up here. We were getting, oh, Glory, I forgot Glory. Uh, and, and then on any given month, an annual or a special, but then Maximum Press had Battlestar Galactica, it had War Child, it had Evangeline. And, and so it, these books were piling up to the point where at our peak, we were doing at Extreme Studios 20 comics a month, but at this point in October 1994, Extreme Studios is giving you four, is giving you 13 titles. The X Men family of books is putting out 25 comics. It has next to it X Men, X Family, 25 titles. They had 11.9% of the market share. Extreme Studios had 13. We had 5.78% of the market share. Are you ready to sit down? Spider-Man family of books was 16. They had 4.4%. Extreme had 13 comics. 5.7% of the market share. Spider-Man family, 4.4% of the market share with 16 comics. Three more than I did. And it's Spider-Man for the love of God, okay? The Batman family has 10 titles. The Batman family has 10 titles in 1994. They have 4.42. They are tied with Spider-Man. They both... Wildstorm, one, two, three, four, five, comes in six with six comics, 3.4%, okay? And you just go down. The Ultraverse from Malibu had 2.7, okay? The Superman family, the Superman titles, all eight of them. Hello, Mike Carlin. The guy who told me I would never make a name for myself after Hawk and Dove. I am 5.7 above eight. That's my market share. I'm almost at 6% with 13 titles. Half of what the X-Men is doing. If the X-Men had one more book, I'd be at half. There are 25 books, I'm at 13. Here's why I'm telling you this. What am I doing wrong that Todd is referring to in this ridiculous article that, that speaks about 1995, one year later? Things didn't go bad. Extreme Studios, 5.78% of the market. 
with 13 comics and we were just getting going. We were just getting started. Todd's implying I was doing everything wrong and I needed to do things more like him. Let me tell you, this is something he would tell all of us routinely. We would get together and Todd would walk around us. I swear to you, <laughs> put a golden lasso around any of these guys. We would get together. Sometimes they were in my office. Extreme Studios had a giant meeting room. So sit Mark, sit Jim, sit Eric, sit myself, sit Valentino and Larry Martyr, sometimes Tony Libido. And Todd would get up and go, I'm talking to the retailers and they're all telling me you're late, you're making image look bad, and you should be on time and be doing it like Todd. Because cause I'm, I'm meeting my marks, I'm getting my books out, and you're late, and you're late, and you're late, and they're fed up. It was the scolder in chief. And oh shit, was I tired of being scolded. Um, so everything didn't work as well as I wanted, but I had a big imagination, I had big ambitions, I love comics, and I created a family, this extreme family, and it took some time. We started from, you know, scratch. But eventually, because again, I have long boxes and long boxes of of profit. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, one. Brigade, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, twenty-five. Blood strike. Glory, Evangeline, we were making a ton of comic books. I was trying to run an expansive publishing label. I think I did okay for myself. I was the second biggest line of comic books in the comic book industry, more than Batman, Spider-Man, okay? But Todd is telling me that I could be doing things better. And it wasn't just me, it was Jim, it was everybody. And it was regularly. Oh, you gotta be on time, do it like Spawn. I'm doing it right, okay? Spawn was doing it right. Spawn was a tremendous success. There's there's more than one way, okay, to slice that orange up. And 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 we were doing it a different way. Well, so so there's that going on, and then there's the Heroes Reborn thing. What that Todd again, have we forgotten? He says, What a bunch of crap. Rob and Jim are doing this. Well, we grew up with these characters. We love them and dot dot dot. What a bunch of crap. Quote, Todd McFarlane. They did this deal to get a ton of cash. They made that deal with Marvel to get a ton of cash. End of conversation. And what? Finito. Finito. Okay. Rob, life found God bless him. Jim Lee, God bless him. They did what they did. Okay. So this sets a bad tone the whole year. It, it, I'm telling you, I was there. He was pissed. He griped about it always. When he's asked... By the Comics Journal guy here, the Comics Journal, he thought, oh, they, they keep it close to the vest. They play it close. I don't know anything about it. Bullshit. You knew everything. You had Larry Martyr telling you everything about that freaking deal. Um, so Todd has had it. And in the meantime, he's going forward on this Spawn movie. Right in the summer of 96, they're, they're making, you know, late 96 through early 97, they're making Spawn. It's coming out in August of that year or July or whatever. Late, late July, early August. I got Harrison Ford in front of me and Julia and Mel Gibson behind me. I got it all to myself. He did. He came in number two. Air Force. Air Force One was such a giant hit. Remember, get off of my plane. Harrison Ford, he was pushing. He was He was pushing Spawn out that window, okay? So so Todd is just pissed. Well, I'm tired of being the scolder in chief. And and if I got all those Marvel documents out, you'd, you, you'd see that I was actually doing very well for myself and for my business. And I had decided 
And, and here is the catalyst. This is the stuff I keep saying to Jim. And I've walked you guys through this. One of our recent comic feuds, uh, Top Cow stopped Diamond from distrib distributing Mike Turner's line of comics. They said, hey, uh, we dispute that those books are in the clear, Diamond, and we are legally filing against those books. And as a result, Diamond parked them as they are wont to do. We aren't going to get in, in, involved in this. We're not going to, because at that point, if Diamond distributes them, they get in trouble. They, they get tagged as part of the lawsuit. So what they do is, well, we're just going to park them over here. You guys work it out. When you guys work it out, we'll get onto it. The reason that those books had been printed and arrived is because they had to be solicited first. Solicited, they got orders, they printed them, they sent them. Diamond received them and then could not do anything with them because Top Cow protested. Okay. So when you send something into Diamond... Today, as I do this, I, I had to go through some solicits for books that you're going to get in November. This is ridiculous. I'm just realizing right now that this lines up exactly with the exact same months we're talking about. I just signed off here in July. In the later part of July, I signed off on, uh, on, on the books that are being solicited in the November for, for release in November, it will be the November previews, the catalog that is used for you to uh, to order your books from. And uh, and so so uh, right now it's the same as it was in '96 because the catalog for November came out, and what it had in it, and I've got them right here. Here's snapshots from the November catalog. November is a big month at Maximum Press. We've expanded our line quite a bit to include a new family of books we have dubbed Maximum Heroes. The Maximum Heroes line features Youngblood, Glory, Newman, and Prophet. These four titles are headed towards a collision course with an event we've dubbed Extreme Genesis. I did press on this. I get the cover of the CB uh, of Comic Book Buyer's Guide, which we call the CBG. And, and I, I did press. I was promoting this. This... Uh, Extreme Genesis starts here. Youngblood, New Men, uh, Glory. These are all the books and profit that are being solicited. Not in the Image Comics section, in the Maximum Press section. And they are being solicited as not from Image. So the book that launched Image, Youngblood, and, and, and some of the earliest spinoffs, Profit, Glory, that, that were seen in early issues of Youngblood, they are being spun off into their own titles. I mean, not not they're be, they are joining with Youngblood and coming. They were spun off from Youngblood. They're joining Youngblood in November of 1996. You're going to get these books. This had to be handed in in July. Those dates cannot be moved. They cannot be changed. You can ignore them, but it does not. You cannot, you know, go back as some time variant and, and alter time. This is what happened. These dates bear out. You cannot have a November event in a catalog that unless you turned it in in late July. Right now, as I do this podcast with you, I just approved all sorts of solicitation materials for books I have coming out in November of 2021. It hasn't changed a lick. This is the three-month lead time you get. So, it, uh, you know, when, when, when in September, Image decides to announce that they are removing me, I go, wait a second, I, I removed myself in July. And I, I put these books, you know, I, I put, <laughs> I, 
I put these books, you know, in uh, in 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 maximum press in July. So how are you removing me in September if I already left? So so this is the stuff that is just baffling to me. So and and so much so that you got to understand that uh, that there is a letter written to me by Todd McFarlane. I'm going to read that letter to you because you want to hear it. Um, I, I can't believe I saved all this stuff. This is the stuff that just baffles me. But this is in um, August 6th because they had gotten word. They had gotten word that I had moved Youngblood and Prophet and Newman and Supreme and they were all, um, you know, going to Maximum Press and it was going to hit the November catalog. And again, that November catalog made it to your hands. I just read you the color, the full case, the full color, full page ads for all those books, part of Extreme Genesis, part of the new um, life that they were going to have at my other publishing company, Maximum Press. Well, on August 6th, I got a letter from Mr. Todd. I will read it in his voice. August 6th, 1996, to Rob at Extreme Studios at 2248 North State College Boulevard, Fullerton, California. We did not have, uh, for a brief period of time, we, for a couple of years, we were next to the image offices. We both got the same space. Everyone thought it would be fun. I was moving extreme. Image moved in next to me. All of the owners approved it. But in 1995, I moved and got a bigger, expansive office in Fullerton, closer to my home. And everyone seemed to like it more. We were out of this high rise, which was fun, but we were now in kind of these cottages in, in, in Fullerton. Dear Rob, on behalf of the board, I'm passing on the following information. Because you pulled the Extreme Genesis titles from Image and are putting them in the November solicitations and were unwilling to go on record and state whether or not this is a temporary or permanent measure, we have unanimously decided to reassign the gem of the month the gem of the month and the cover of the November previews to books from other studios. The gem of the month was something that Diamond gave to each publisher and the publisher would vote on which book got it. Like maybe Kazar number one coming out from Marvel Comics that month was going to get the gem of the month. It was a special little banner stamped on the ad to say, this is special. We think you this deserves more of your attention. This is special. So we are reassigning the gem of the month on the cover of the November previews catalog to books from other studios. If you have any questions about this, I urge you to contact me or members of the board. <laughs> the bo <laughs> I'm on the board. I'm on the board. The members of the board are Jim Valentino, myself, Eric Larson, Jim Lee, Mark Silvestri had left for this window of time. And uh, again, the fax has that it was sent to me on August 5th, 1996. It was dated August 6th. I guess I would get it in the mail, but this is a fax. You'll see this. It was sent to me the evening of uh, 9 o'clock, um, 9.58 on, on August 5th. So they knew that I had left. They, I was moving my books and it was causing a stir. Back to the Comics Journal, everybody. Early on in this interview with uh, Todd McFarlane, uh, <laughs> these are the pages flipping. Todd says, 
Uh, <clears throat> in the lawsuit against Rob Liefeld, there's this intimate, there's an intimation. There's a lot of intimation in their lawsuit against me and a lot of suggestions and claims. None of them ever valid. If there's a claim, that means it's just a, an accusation. There's nothing to back it up other than their accusation. An intimation that Rob was using image as a platform for maximum press, plus, uh, for maximum press. You're saying that his intention was to deliberately break away from a while back. What would be the motivation both financially and personally for him to do this? This is the reporter. His name is Greg Stump asking Todd there. And uh, Todd says, um, he says, because it seemed like you had quite a bit of success working with your studio in within Image. This is what this guy's supposing. Todd says, right, it was more to do with ego. And again, we always had our clashes. And I'm amazing how much of the dirty laundry stayed within the confines of the walls. But every time we had an image meeting, there was always something that came up. And again, we'd each get pissed off at each other and whatever else. But for Rob, it was always, that'll be the day I let this fucking partner tell me what to do. And whatever. Oh, do I have stories for you to come. There are stories that, that you will see that comment in an incredibly different light. That'll be the day I let this fucking partner tell me what to do. He was the very first guy that ever threatened to leave. Fuck it. I'll just leave. I'll take my bucks. Fuck you. This is Todd. This is actually word for word. You know what I mean? Maximum press exists. This is Todd's words. I can't do that impersonation all the time. I'll try. Maximum press exists so he could cover his ass to just show that half his threat was right there. That if we ever did or said something he didn't like, he'd always go, well, I'm pulling my books. I'm going to maximum breast. Fuck you. You know what I mean? And it was like, whatever. And the answer is in most real businesses, you can't do this. Here's where he's insane. It's against the law to tell you the truth. In California, I think it is. Oh, this is classic. Somewhere along the line, this is Todd still talking in the comics journal. Comics journal, uh, Page 43 of issue 195, April 1997. So along the line, when we knew he was going to do that, somebody should have put their foot down. But again, we knew the war was going to be coming then. So what Todd is telling you right now is he always knew, because I did. I was tired. Oh, fuck. Who wants to be scolded all the time? As you're, as you're having tremendous success, we had done these great crossover events. Extreme uh, Sacrifice. Extreme Destroyer. Um, you know, extreme prejudice. And, and we were really rocking and rolling. And, uh, you know, to be scolded on because we weren't doing it the way that was deemed the best by um, Marm Farling, uh, you know, the, the school Marm. Um, uh, it, it just, it was getting to be a drag. And you guys, I have a quote in my interview where it says, at some point you figure, I'd rather just be alone than miserable. This is what I tell the guy uh, the comics journal guy, I say, at some point, you kind of just decide, I'd rather be alone than miserable, and that's the path I took. That's how I felt. I had kind of outgrown all of the phony rah-rah shit, and, uh, and I was ready to go on my own. And I had put my books in Maximum Press, and as you could see, I was being told, we are reassigning the gem of the month. Um, it, that didn't move me. At one point, they would then confront me and say, you have to move these back. Or else, and I said, uh, "Yeah, that's not going to happen. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not. I'm going this path." And I, uh, 
then informed them that I would be leaving the company, at which point Todd said, we will not let you leave. We will not let you leave. And uh, so, so Todd speaks of later in this interview, there's, this is this interesting part, because this hap- omitted from this is the fact that each one of the partners was overpaid uh, by our accountant um, at this, at this, uh, at this, during this one month, uh, or maybe year two of Image Comics, and um, and and everybody got overpaid, and we were informed that, like, we all got a memo: "Dear Top Cow, you were overpaid." Dear Extreme, you were overpaid. Dear Wildstorm, you were overpaid. Dear Shadowline, dear Eric, everybody, Todd included, the accountant was wrong, and uh, everybody got more money than they were supposed to get. And what everybody did, myself included, because again, you know, it's like it's like the Big Short. It's like when these financial institutions. Um, get in trouble. They don't make. All, they don't pay all the money back to the government. The government works it out for them. We'll pay a little, a little at the time. Look, I'm, I'm, I'm. This is how businesses do it. If I was the only one to suggest this and no one else was going on board, no one would have done this. But I do believe that Jim Lee has a brighter financial outlook mind than I do, and so everybody said, hey, uh, can we just pay this out over the course of the next year with you just taking a little out extra each month? Because, you know, that, that, that's, that's what was proposed. And, um, you know, that's how it played out. In this interview, uh, the, the guy says, uh, the, the, the interviewer says to Todd, could I ask you how the amount of a million dollars was overpaid to Rob Liefeld? That seems exorbitant. Todd is not on the up and up here. He does not say that each one of us was overpaid and that we were all on a repayment plan. I'm not even sure mine was a million. Okay, uh, this is insane. Um, they, uh, He said, we had some people... This is Todd's answer. We had some people in the accounting side of it that were maybe in over their head. Uh-oh, I thought maybe I was mind-controlling them. No, he says, in over their head dealing with the fact that we were an instantly... that we were this big, instant, multi-million dollar company. It doesn't even surprise me anymore. But somehow... Somebody overpaid him a million bucks more than he should have accrued. It's as simple as that. What Todd is absolutely omitting here is all of them were overpaid. Wildstorm, Top Cow, everybody was overpaid. The accountant just didn't give it to me. Everyone got more than they were supposed to get. So we all agreed on a plan to repay the money in installments. But funny, that doesn't fit the narrative that I'm a crook, which is what's being pushed here. Um, And... Uh, so then, he goes, the problem became that when we wanted it back somehow, it was like, Rob pissed it all away. And it was like, oh, fuck. This, this is not sincere. And, and I, I, I actually question whether Todd knew anything that was going on. The interviewer says, when you say somehow, you mean based on his own business decisions? Todd says, I'm just saying that when you go, we gave you a million bucks, too much. Can we have it back? And the guy goes, oh, I don't have it. Well, I assume it went somewhere, you know. Takes a lot of effort to spend a million bucks. Okay, again, these numbers are exorbitant. And every single person, the reason we all went in on this is because everybody 
was overpaid this one time by this one accountant. And if you're going to ask me, this accountant was then let go as a result of this. Um, and, and so uh, it's, and the guy goes, how did you find out about this? And then Todd implies that I would go in and intimidate people. Todd, who was in Arizona, would be now implying um, that I leveraged and, look, was going in and intimidating people. I did not enjoy going into the image offices. It wasn't a friendly place. It was very business as usual. It wasn't artist friendly. I had my own studio. I had 60 people that I, that I hired personally. I didn't hire most of these other people. Larry Martyr came in, changed a few things up, but these they had a, again, an accountant, the image accountant, saw that everybody got paid, bills went to in and out of Diamond, the publisher, the printer, the, uh, went to the partners, went to everybody, even the non-partners. They had a sales manager, you know, we had a promotions person, we had a, uh, you know, uh, uh, just all sorts of different, whatever those credits are in the back of the book, they were all filled. And, uh, and then they're talking about getting these different bills and, 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 and this is the biggest thing he can hang it on. He omits that every certain, every single image person got a portion of that overpayment. And again, look at the fact that every book paid in. Remember when I told you about Extreme Studios, 13 books, if it's 2,000, if it's 3,000, we're putting in our fair share. Todd's doing four books, okay? You know, if it's 2,000, if it's 3,000, it's 12, right? He's putting in 12,000, uh, you know? I'm putting in a considerable amount more because my, and, and when I went to, um, to, to, when I went to, uh, when I got to the point that I'm doing, you know, 13, 20 books, you're looking at 60,000 plus dollars I'm paying into the office. Okay. On a documentary, I believe the sci-fi documentary, I think it's that one, not the Robert Kirkman, the secret history of image comics on his secret history show, which was fantastic. I wish it would be on like season 10 right now. Those were fantastic episodes. But in the sci-fi, which was real dodgy, the production's dodgy. The guy who's doing it was dodgy. I should have never um, agreed to do it. But Todd says, yeah, losing Jim Hurt. It's Hurt. Jim Hurt. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Well, the reason Jim Hurt is that Jim took his 20 books a year and a half after my 20 books went missing. And now you were down 40 books. And if you then pivot to the worst period of image history, it was that period between 1998 and 2002 where they were signing up like soft porn comics, um, like all bad girl books, really low um, low bar, the, the worst stuff. The, the line had never been kind of crummier. And they did it because they were signing books and Larry Martyr told me I had to make overhead. I was signing as many books as I can to keep the lights on because four books from Mark Silvestri and two books from Todd and one book from Eric was not going to keep the lights on. So when you lose 20 Jim and 20 Rob, the two guys who were paying in the most to the studio via flat fees, you have now put yourself on shaky ground. And it would take the better part of the mid to up until the mid 2000s when the stuff from Kirkman really took off and solidified, that they would find themselves on a more stern footing and, 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 and on a road back to huge success. But this fallout, this, this uh, 
the standoff between Todd, the partners, and myself. Um, here's, a, here's a little behind the scenes. Larry Martyr was very nervous. I had given him my resignation letter a year prior, early 1995. He said, Rob, I don't want to move on this. I want you to sleep on this. I'll keep this. Matt Hawkins knew of this letter. Eric Stevenson knew of this letter. This, there is no rewriting of history. This was how I felt. And I had formally resigned. And he said, you don't want to do this. Let me, let me keep this in the, in, in, in the table. I'll keep this in the desk. If we need to act on this, I, I've got it. But let me keep, you know, keep talking you, you know, into staying. Now, I was the youngest of the image guys, okay? So in 1995, doing this deal with Marvel, I'm 27, 28. I turned 28 October of that year. The rest of the year, I'm 27. Obviously, in, in 96, I'm 28. And then I, 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 I'm 29, you know? So, so I'm in my late 20s. I am having the time of my life. I am feeling the energy. I have taken on this Marvel stuff. I am excited, but I will not be bullied and pushed around and if I think a better destiny lies for me, relaunching my line of books as Maximum Heroes, that's what I was going to do. Go back to that chart. I, my books had had were the number two best-selling line of comics. I'm not making that up. That's a statistical fact. I'm going to sh include that in this. Uh, the studio notes here so you can hold the copy yourself. It is straight out of the catalog that, that Diamond was sharing with everyone. But the fact that I was threatening this was worrisome to Larry. I was also in talks with New Line Cinema who were going to buy my company. Larry had asked, if you go, I will run your company. And I was going to hire Larry away and Larry was going to come work for me. At the end of the day, I very distinctly remember specifically telling Larry, who was on my green couch in my Extreme Studios, across from my circular glass table, I said, I'm not doing the New Line deal. My attorneys have advised against it. It's kind of a down payment on a foreclosure they're going to only give me a portion of the money. And then they had worked out a formula of which they could kind of, you know, um, get out of paying the rest. And, and so I took it under advisement and did not do the new line deal. Larry put his hands on his knees. God bless you, Larry. And you went, that's what I need to know. All right. It, it's, it's between Jim and Todd then, he said. And he turned and left in quite a hurry. You know how the story ends. Larry leaves and goes and runs Todd's toy company for, I think, seven years. Because he was looking for a way out too. He, I think he was tired and beat up and the gym, um, you know, going and possibly running Wildstorm. When, remember, if you listen to the Heroes Reborn stuff, Jim Lee is going to go take over Marvel while I'm just sitting here doing Captain America and Avengers. Jim has other plans afoot. And Ron Perlman is flying to Wildstorm in La Jolla to see if they're going to relocate Marvel under Jim as publisher, editor-in-chief, whatever grand poobah uh, title he was going to get. Um, a guy here says, uh, you know, do you think Rob Liefeld will regain uh, his place in the industry? And he says, uh, he's delusional. And he's a fucking liar too. And he, uh, he says that uh, I won't regain my place. I'm fucking loony. He tells me, and uh, and he says uh, when they ask when's the last time you spoke to him, he goes ah oh, maybe the day we voted to kick him out, and uh, he said he doesn't get it, he's like a drunk, uh, an alcoholic before he takes the first step to redemption, he doesn't even think again this is Todd McFarlane I don't I'm gonna just say this again, 
do you think he'll have remorse over how everything turned out is what the reporter asked him. And Todd says, I don't think he gets it. A drunk has to admit he's an alcoholic before he takes the first step to redemption. He doesn't even think that he drinks. He doesn't even think that he's done anything wrong. He justifies everything. Um, and he says, uh, he's just able to rationalize all that he does. The only place that he's going to turn it around is if he hits rock bottom. He hasn't done that yet because, man, he's a great manipulator. So maybe he'll be able to keep the game going for a long time, but not at my expense. So, uh, you know, and again, there's a bold uh, poll quote saying, this kid is just not a good businessman. That's as kind as I can put it. Is a good businessman losing um, back-to-back lawsuits and having $20 million in settlements, uh, in, in payouts, in uh, because in the world versus Todd McFarlane. Uh, on page uh, page 132, the court cases in March of 2007, there are six major court cases that will have a direct impo- impact on the bankruptcy and solvency of Todd McFarlane Productions going forward. It, it reads them all. I'm looking at them. March of 2007, you guys, this is uh, 14 years ago, a long time ago, but, but actually only 10 years after he's telling the world that I'm a bad businessman. I'm doing this with, guys, this is all fun to remember. This is part of comics industry. This is all part of comics history, and I'm walking you through it. Uh, Doe versus TCI Cable Television. This is a product of the Tony Twist case. He is the Doe. And TCI Cable Vision, Vision involves HBO and the Spawn Animated series. And it says, uh, uh, Twist filed a notice of satisfaction of judgment on this. Tony Twist versus Todd McFarlane and Todd McFarlane Productions. Uh, this was Tony Twist uh, looking to get his $15 million because he was due in the second. Todd got a successful retrial with Tony Twist, but instead of $25 million, he was awarded uh, Tony Twist was awarded $15 million to be paid by Todd. Uh, TMP International versus the insurance company. American International, because the insurance company said, Todd, we're not paying this, okay? And uh, then the Hanover Insurance Company, another insurance company, because Todd just kept pushing this on the insurance companies, and Tony Twist just attached all of them. And uh, it says, this is a le- an action for declaratory judgment regarding coverage for litigation. Neil Gaiman versus Todd McFarlane. Uh, 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 two million dollars was awarded Neil Gaiman, along with the rights to Angela and Cogliostro uh, in, in in this lawsuit. Then Marvels and Miracles LLC versus Todd McFarlane, Neil Gaiman's company asserting that he alone had the rights to the Marvel the Miracle Man trademark was a court case open against Todd. It says down here on page one thirty three, seven other cases. Uh, McFarlane was contending with over the years. Interleg International versus Todd. Copyright infringement. Vivid Impact Corporation versus Todd. Breach of Contract, 1996. TMP versus the NHL. Trademark infringement. Filed and settled 2000. KISS. Gene Simmons is KISS. Gene told me about this. Versus Todd McFarlane Production. Breach of Contract, 2001. Settled out in 2003. New Line Cinema. Sued Todd versus Todd McFarlane. Breach of contract. Filed 2001. Settled in 2003. Roth Estate versus TMP. Uh, filed 2001. Settled in 2002. TMP versus Palisades Marketing. 
all total, there is 13 lawsuits that he was dealing with from in 2000 from from like 2004 to 2007. Okay. Uh, later on in this book, it outlines this guy. This book, he paid the money to get all the court papers. He has all the documents of all the lawsuits: Tony Twist, Neil Gaiman, Marvel's Miracles, all of it. And uh, and it outlines the settlements. And uh, you know, again, uh, it, it 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 talks that he got. You know, he had to pay $5 million to Tony Twist. Um, you know, it, it, it's this incredible breakdown of where all the money's going. It, it literally lists in this book all of the people in the comic industry he owes money to. Angel Medina, $4,000. Brian Haberlin, $13,000. Brian Holgan, $8,800. Greg Capullo, $18,000. Danny Mickey, $4,400. Um, this is the guy that called me a bad businessman. It's very interesting. Um, I think the pot should not call the kettle black. I think that this was never supposed to go like this. And uh, and as I told you, we're going to have to spill this into a second uh, installment. But I will also tell you that comics, the Comics Journal, the Comics Journal opens its issue in its news section saying, Image and Rob Liefeld settle lawsuit if not all their differences. It's in February 19th that Rob Liefeld and Image Comics announced uh, that they had settled lawsuits against each other. And uh, they did not divulge details of the settlement, but both Liefeld and Image Director Larry Martyr uh, claimed to be happy with the terms of the agreement and resolved and put the matter behind them. So in the same issue that you've got this interview with Todd, you know, um, saying I'm fucking loony, um, I'm never going to regain my place in the industry uh, that, um, that, that I, he, he, he omits all manner of details. And, and, and yet he says, maximum press, maximum press. You want to know why um, Heroes Reborn was going swimmingly and Todd couldn't scold us anymore. Not Jim, not myself. I can only speak for the fact that when I was with Jim, I, I do believe Jim took great pleasure in the fact that Heroes Reborn was another kind of uh, status of accomplishment that we were doing. And I, Todd, on that panel in 1996, not the 1997, I'm going to be king of all media, not that one. 1996, the last time I was up there with them as a partner. When we opened it up to questions after kind of introducing each other and talking about our projects, the very first question from the audience in the Q&A portion, which most of the panel was Q&A. The person stood up and said, I'd like to ask Rob and Jim <clears throat> about their plans for Heroes Reborn, including all their other image stuff. And before Todd or I, before Jim Lee or myself could answer, Todd grabbed the microphone and said, this isn't a Marvel Comics panel. I believe they have a panel later today where they can answer all your Marvel-related questions. This is an Image Comics panel. And uh, just cut cut the guy off and a couple more questions down. Somebody else either wasn't listening, whatever, just innocently popped up and said, yeah, I want to ask Rob about Captain America. Again, the mic. We're not doing Captain America. I don't know if you missed. This is an Image Comics panel. There was hostility from Todd towards what we were doing with Marvel. He called us 
the competition. He said, you are now my competition. Todd has not been back to Marvel Comics other than to ink some uh, illustrations for, uh, maybe it was just one illustration of a firefighter over Joe Quesada, um, who he had several opinions on over the years, but inked a Joe Quesada firefighter for their 9-11 benefit magazine. Other than that, Todd has not been back. Part of the reason is because he has not been able to leverage them into letting him do a Spider-Man toy to fit with his Spawn toy because, again, he puts the toys in a priority zone and that's what he wants. And why wouldn't he? I, I get it. There's you, you go, well, there's, there's no reason why he shouldn't ask for it, but it hasn't happened because they haven't agreed to it. And until that happens, that Spawn... Um, Spider-Man crossover won't happen. Personally, I, I don't believe a guy who hasn't drawn an entire comic book in over a decade, maybe 15 years, is going to be able to draw a Spider-Man spawn anyway. I think it would be um, drawn by a surrogate in the ways that Greg used to lay out stuff for him, um, Greg Capullo. But, uh, I, you know, again, leverage is something that um, Mr. McFarlane ha understood, especially then, especially in his... Um, when he was going for king of all media during the time. Um, I'm going to open number one, number one. And uh, Howard Stern was not going to be the king of all media anymore. It was going to be Todd. So uh, this is fresh. It, it's like it was yesterday. It's fun. It's fun to revisit. But uh, I'm going to, in the next installment, detail to you, take you down to the wire of how that settlement, the sudden settlement came to be because I'm going to tell you right now, none of the claims, the claims or the the, the things that were in implied, you know, or as the, uh, the 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 guy says to to Todd, it's it's intimated, it's implied, it's suggested. That's all it was. I'm going to tell you why that happened, and um and how everything kind of played out and and kind of pushed some more of the dramatic buttons as we wrap up this first section of this insane comic book feud. Rob Liefeld versus Image Comics, Image Comics versus Rob Liefeld, yet Heroes Reborn, that pissed Todd off. You had the maximum press leaving, I'm taking Youngblood in these books, and I and I did it in July to get it into the catalog in November, and it infuriated them. So when it was about anything other than that, it's not they're not being honest with you. That's not what it was about. Um, this is what it was about. And and yet, this um, very fiery interview would um, would come about where uh, where where I am. I had never heard this before. I got to tell you, this is super original. Todd said, you know, <laughs> said his name is Rob Liefeld. He lies and he robs. Um, I I'd never even heard that in grade school. That was like the biggest. I'm like, wow, this guy really, um, like, I've never heard that. I'd never heard that before. And it's a pull quote. It's a, they, they, they drew a little picture of Todd's head on page 43 of this comics journal. And he's like, he's a liar, hence the name Liefeld. If you want me to describe Rob Liefeld right now, Rob as in Rob, lie as in lie, and then filled. That's one for the books, people, and I, I love sharing it with you, and, and, and I hope you've enjoyed this part one. We will be back for part two 
We will be back for part two. I went extra long. We're not going to do the reviews today, but I know you guys are out there spreading the love, spreading the word. I hope you're enjoying this. How can you talk about comic book feuds, life if you're not going to talk about your own? I am. That's what we're doing. Please come back for part two. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Twitter at Robert Liefeld. I'm on Instagram at Rob Liefeld. You can reach me at both um, social media platforms on all over Facebook. You know how much I love to hang out and talk to you guys. Please hang out and talk to me. Interact with me. I'm, I'm having the best time. Thank you so much. Part one of Image versus Rob Liefeld. Rob Liefeld versus Image is in the books. Come back for part two. It'll be up next. It'll be our next installment. I hope you enjoy it half as much as I've enjoyed sharing it with you. Um, fun times, good memories. Uh, you know the drill. You are going to take the very best care of yourself. You're going to stay safe. Please stay safe. And we are going to talk again real soon. Thank <laughs> you.